Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. I can report as returning officer uh, that 359 ballots were cast. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson faced a confidence vote on Monday. Members of his own party voted on whether they wanted to keep him on as leader. The vote in favour uh, of having confidence in Boris Johnson as leader was 211 votes, and the vote against was 148 votes. And therefore, I can announce that the Parliamentary Party does have confidence. Johnson played the vote off as a success, calling it a, quote, very good, convincing and decisive result, and said that now he can get back to business. Uh, We're able now to draw a line under the issues that our opponents uh, want to talk about, and we're able to get on with talking about what I think the people in this country want us to talk about, which is what we are doing uh, to help them and to take the country forward. This all stems back to Partygate, the scandal involving Boris Johnson and other senior government officials who attended parties during COVID lockdowns. But this is hardly the first scandal Boris Johnson has been at the center of, and he somehow made it through every time. There are real questions now, I think, for the first time about whether Boris Johnson and the Boris Johnson Act has run its course. Paul Waldy is back with us. He's the Globe's foreign correspondent based in London. He's here to tell us more about Boris Johnson's history of skirting scandal and why, this time, things might be different. This is The Decibel. Paul, it's nice to have you on the podcast again. Thanks for being here. Sure, no problem. So we talked to you in February after the first report from Sue Gray came out. And she's, of course, the civil servant who's been looking into this Partygate scandal. She found that there were failures in leadership and in judgment. Did you think we'd actually get to this point where MPs would call for a confidence vote? You know what? I did then because at that point, her initial findings were pretty astounding. And there was an awful lot of pressure on Boris Johnson to address these allegations. But then things kind of faded away through March. We had the war in Ukraine. We had Boris Johnson's attention and the country's attention focused on other things. And the whole Partygate scandal kind of faded away. It all resurfaced again when Sue Gray released her final report a couple of weeks ago. And that sort of reindicted the whole thing, raised more questions about which parties were held, what the government, what number 10 officials were doing during various lockdowns. And it's from there that this thing has really snowballed and it's been kind of slow. The initial day after the final report came out looked pretty good for Boris Johnson. The report wasn't as damning as people thought. So it looked like he might get away with it again. But really, in the late recent days, it's just built and built and built. And now we got to the point where they had this vote, of course, this week. And so, of course, Boris Johnson survived the confidence vote, but 41 percent of his own party members still voted against him. How significant is that? It's very significant. You have to keep in mind that when Theresa May faced a similar vote back in 2018, 
she got a higher percentage of approval. She got over 60%. Boris Johnson got 58% of caucus. Mm-hmm. Now she too won the vote, but six months later she was pushed out. And what we're hearing now is that yes, Boris Johnson, again, he won this vote. He's entitled to carry on. They're not supposed to have another similar kind of vote for a year, but there's already rumblings that a lot of the discontented MPs want to change the rules and have another vote as quickly as possible or put more pressure on Boris Johnson to simply resign. So does it sound like history might be repeating itself a little bit here? Like what happened with May may happen? Something similar may happen with Johnson? Oh, absolutely. I mean, not just with Theresa May. Go back to Margaret Thatcher. Same thing happened with her. She won a vote, then was forced out. I think that, yes, it's, you know, the pressure is building on Boris Johnson. I would caution a little bit that he is a different animal. Mm -hmm. Um, He has weathered an awful lot of storms before, but... This looks bad for him. There's two by-elections coming up that uh, the Conservatives currently hold that they're expected to lose quite badly. So if those results come in as bad as people expect, that will put more pressure on Boris Johnson. And then through the summer, there's a parliamentary committee that's investigating still more of the Partygate allegations. So this whole thing isn't going to go away. And we could see more uh, pressure and, and attention placed on Boris Johnson and whether or not he can stay on as party leader. Hmm. I want to go back to something you just said there, Paul. You said Boris Johnson is a different animal. What what did you mean by that? He has built his whole political and professional career on on getting out of predicaments that any other politician or you and I would have been, you know, our careers would have been over. Our political life would have long been expired. He's managed to wriggle out of a multitude of scandals and a multitude of, of, you know, gaffes and pitfalls and just flat out lying and wrongdoing that no one should have survived, but he has managed to. And so you can't rule him out. Well, let's let's look at some of these scandals that you're referring to, though, because I think this kind of helps us understand who this guy is as a person a little bit. I want to start with his career as a journalist before he got into politics. What sort of trouble did he get into as a journalist, Paul? Well, you name it. I mean, his very first job at the Times back in 1988, he was fired for making up a quote. Now, that would be the end of any career. My career, your career, that that should pretty much finish you off as a journalist if you're fabricating quotes. No, Boris Johnson went on to a stellar career with the Daily Telegraph as a star columnist from Brussels. He went on to be editor of The Spectator magazine when Conrad Black owned it. And then, he, you know, he tried to do two jobs at once. He tried to be an MP. Uh, from 2001 to 2005 and run the magazine and write columns. So, I mean, he's always had this kind of strange ability to pull the wool over people's eyes. Conrad Black has famously said that, you know, Boris Johnson flat out lied to him saying that, yes, he was going to be editor. He wanted to be editor of The Spectator and he wouldn't run for parliament and he'd already thrown his hat into the ring. So, you know, he, he has wow. managed to uh, do an awful lot of things in journalism that the rest of us probably wouldn't be able to. Yeah, that's a, that's astounding. Like, how does he get away with that? Like, we, you and I, as you said, you and I both know fabricating a quote is basically disqualifies you from this profession. Like, how is it possible that he gets away with stuff like that? I think it's his personality. It's the way he operates. Now, all of that being said, he is a colorful, funny, engaging writer. He's been writing a column in the Daily Telegraph right up until he became prime minister in 2019. And they are very engaging columns. And you have to keep in mind as well that when he was at the Daily Telegraph in Brussels, he was just piling on about the bizarre rules and regulation the EU was forcing on Britain, many times exaggerated, many times just flat out wrong. But it was the kind of thing the Telegraph loved. It was the kind of thing the Telegraph readers loved. So he is a very, very engaging and a good and colorful writer. And I think that's what has saved his career. And also, he's managed to get him out of predicaments like suggesting that women who wear burqas are look like letterboxes. I mean, you know, he's, he has written things and said things that, again, most columnists would probably be pillared over. 
And I mean, we should not understate how, you know, how offensive and, and widely criticized these comments are. I mean, like the, the one you're talking about, women wearing a burqa, calling them letterboxes. I mean, just in- incredibly offensive here. How has he managed to get out of these situations unscathed? I think you, you look at, you know, what, what he does in a situation like that is he says, oh, well, you know, first he might say, I didn't mean that. That's taken out of context. Then he'll apologize. And I think the public in Britain is is so used to the Boris Johnson act that they just say, well, that's Boris. That's just the way he is. I mean, he has built his career and, and his his campaign style on self-deprecation, on on jokes, on buffoonery. But it's done in a very clever way. It's not silly or stupid or awkward. It's the kind of thing you can look at and go, yeah, that's pretty funny. Boris Johnson has always come across, despite the fact that he went to Eton and Oxford and has had this privileged background, he always comes across as the kind of person you'd want to have a beer with. And mm-hmm. he is engaging and he is attractive and he is comfortable with people who normally would not be associated or comfortable with someone who went to Oxford and Eton in the UK, especially. And that's the kind of appeal Boris Johnson has to such a wide swath of the British population that has allowed him to, to get out of these scandals that the media make a big deal about, the public doesn't seem to care about. Boris Johnson has this persona of being sort of bumbling, that you know, the tousled hair, he rides his bike, he's late for meetings. How does how does that really affect his ability to get out of trouble when he's involved in scandals? I think it makes him more relatable to people. And I think those are all very conscious things that he does about his image. You know, the tousled hair, the shirt kind of hanging out of his pants. But it makes him more relatable, right? He is not the slick politician at that point. He's the guy who kind of shows up with his tie too long or with his misfit clothes or with his hair uncombed. I mean, in that, people can relate to that. We haven't really touched on his, his political career and the scandals that have kind of followed him into that realm. So let's let's dive into this a little bit before we move on. Can you remind us about some of the incidents that have happened, especially when he's been accused of lying as a politician? Well, you, you can go back to 2004, 2005, when he was uh, in the shadow cabinet. The Conservative Party was in opposition. He was a shadow cabinet uh, critic, as we would say in Canada. Uh, and he flat out lied about having an affair with a columnist at The Spectator. He said, no, it didn't happen. And in fact, the columnist had had two abortions. And when it came out that, in fact, he had lied, he was removed from that position. And it looked like his political career might be endangered. But he went on to be mayor of London, to, which was an incredible accomplishment because being mayor of London, that was pretty much considered a labor a stronghold. He won it as a conservative twice, came back into parliament in 2015 and faced, you know, kind of a weird controversy over whether or not he was going to back Brexit. And he ultimately did and led the Brexit vote. But then, you know, he again has faced more questions in politics. He's been accused of trying to um, get money from party donors to pay for renovations and expensive wallpaper. That got him into trouble. He's faced allegations that he had an affair when he was the mayor of London with a U.S. Uh, entrepreneur and steered some contracts her way. That kind of went away. You know, he's faced allegations that, well, he faced a flat out uh, reversal when he tried to back an MP who'd violated a bunch of lobbying rules. And Boris Johnson then said, well, we should just change the rules so this guy's not punished. That caused an outrage. He had to reverse course on that. And now the whole Partygate thing. So you've just seen this pattern of kind of Boris Johnson is his own worst enemy at times, but still manages to escape from the consequences. Yeah, people really seem to think that, like, you know, nothing can stick to him. He's been called the Teflon prime minister. Uh, Former PM David Cameron famously referred to him as a a, a greased piglet, uh, quote unquote, because he can just slip through people's hands. So, I mean, is it really he's, he's kind of this character, really, that nothing seems to be able to take him down? 
You know, and I think that's been true up to now. I think right now there's a fatigue setting in. You're looking at poll after poll after poll. The public at large, 60% or so, say he should resign. Even a, a large percentage of Conservative Party voters and Conservative Party members think it's time for him to resign. He has the lowest approval rating of all cabinet ministers amongst Conservative Party members. So I think maybe the time is running out on Boris Johnson and whether or not he can kind of revitalize or, or once again kind of humor the public into putting all of this out of their minds really remains to be seen. He's even running into trouble within the Conservative Party itself for not being very conservative. He's all over the place on issues. You know, he's taxing business, but saying he's pro-business. He's throwing money at things, but saying he wants to be fiscally responsible. So there are real questions now, I think, for the first time about whether Boris Johnson and the Boris Johnson Act has run its course. So given all of that then, Paul, why do people in his party still support him? Because there's no real alternative. You know, and say what you will about Boris Johnson, he has proven to be a campaign winner. He's proven to be someone who on the campaign trail is unstoppable. There is no alternative in the Conservative Party that can match him at all. I mean, the, the names that have been put forward really have no standing in the public and would be very, very difficult to kind of take on. And that's the big difference. I think when Theresa May faced real problems and was facing leadership challenges, Boris Johnson was in the wings as the kind of alternative, someone the, the critics could rally around. There isn't really anyone like that now. And there isn't really a concerted effort this time. And it's really just, oh, my God, we're going to lose if Boris Johnson is leader. What do we do? So let's bring this back to the Partygate scandal, then, because you seem to say that this might be different than all the other things that he's kind of weathered in the past. What What is it about this scandal that's really resonating with people in a different way? Because I think it sort of encaptures everything, all of the questions people have about Boris Johnson, the elitism, the feeling that he doesn't think the rules apply to him, the feeling that he's a bit, you know, he's so careless and reckless about the way he manages things. All of those things come together in Partygate, because when you think about it, this wasn't just one or two gatherings during lockdown. This was 16. He's the only sitting prime minister to be fined. He was fined 50 pounds for attending a, a party. And it's not going away. The parliamentary committee is going to keep investigating what happened here. And, you know, so the, the issue isn't going to go away. And that just means more questions are going to be raised. But again, I just think it's, it, it's the sum total of everything that people question about Boris Johnson. I know you've been following British politics really closely, Paul. I, I wonder what, what does Johnson's success maybe say about the broader climate of, of British politics today? What can we take away from this in terms of the big picture here? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, I think right now that people are in a bit of a waiting game. You know, is the country really ready to elect Keir Starmer, the Labour Party leader, as prime minister? Maybe. Uh, is the country ready for some kind of coalition between the Labour Party and the Liberal Democrats? Maybe. Is this the end of the Boris Johnson era that's been going on for 30 odd years? Possibly. And so I think we just don't know yet what's going to happen. And it's going to take a few months to, to sort this out. If the Conservatives hang on to Boris Johnson, there's going to be a lot of questions about, you know, is this the end of the Conservative Party? I mean, you've got to keep in mind when Boris Johnson won in 2019, a lot of pundits said, oh, well, they're in. He's going to be in power for 10 years. Here we are just a couple of years later and his his leadership is in real question. So I think it's it's probably what you're seeing everywhere, how loyalties and age-old assumptions about parts of the country have just gone out the window. And, you know, that's what I think is baffling a lot of pollsters and pundits right now. They just don't know what's going to happen. I wonder, does Johnson's success at evading scandal, does does that say anything about, about British politics itself? No, I, you know, I don't think so. He is such a unique animal. He is such a different politician, probably different than we've seen anywhere, you know, in the Western world. He's just not 
the kind of person you tend to see in politics. You tend to see the Keir Starmer types, right? They're really sort of firm. I mean, you just don't get these colorful people anymore. Maybe René Levesque, maybe Lucien Bouchard, maybe we've had a few in Canadian. Uh, Pierre Trudeau, maybe to some extent, although he's, again, very different. Johnson is of that kind of ilk. If you ever watch Question Time, Prime Minister's Questions, uh, he does an amazing job of deflecting uh, critics, an amazing job of deflecting questions. He's very, very good. He's a great performer. And you don't see that a lot in politics anymore. People are so cautious about saying the wrong thing, about going offside on things, about, you know, appearing to not be in sync with, with things that they get too cautious, super cautious. And Boris Johnson is not super cautious. And that's refreshing at times, but can be disastrous at times. Last time we talked to you, Paul, you said that Boris Johnson's reputation was was damaged, that the sense among people that he can't be trusted has has really been kind of baked in at this point. Do you think he'll be able to repair his reputation? I think he can. But I would say, you know, maybe back in February, it was 50-50. Now I think it's probably 30-70 about whether he can or not. The, the, the chances are getting, it's getting harder and harder and harder for him the longer this goes on. You know, they had a bad result in local elections. They're going to probably lose these two by-elections. The committee work is going to be ongoing. I just think it's getting harder and harder for him to reverse course. So I would say that the chances are, are getting smaller and smaller. It's always great to talk to you, Paul. Thank you for being here again. Okay. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovic is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.